Are you ready to live the life you were made for? I'm Lisa Pulliam, founder of More To Be and host of this podcast and seasoned life coach, and I'm passionate about helping you experience wholehearted breakthrough and authentic life transformation. Through exploring timeless biblical principles combined with the best mental health coaching practices, I'll help you explore emotional, spiritual, and relational well-being so that you can uncover a life of deep purpose and lasting impact. That is the more to be life you are made for, a life aligned with God's best. The More To Be podcast is supported by our Patreon podcast community. You can become a valuable member and get access to exclusive downloadable resources, courses, and coaching at patreon.com slash more to be. On this episode of the More To Be podcast, I am joined by Christina Ray Stanton. She worked as a licensed New York City tour guide and has been featured in print and on TV many times in her 23-year career. She is the short-term missions director for Redeemer Presbyterian Church and founder of the non-for-profit organization Loving All Nations, which helps the world's poor. She and her husband, Brian, still live within blocks of the World Trade Center. And that is a significant part of her story and the reason I have her on our uh, podcast today. She has written Out of the Shadow of 9-11, an inspiring tale of escape and transformation. Welcome to the podcast, Christina. Hey, thanks for having me on. I'm so glad. And we are recording this on an August morning. The sun and the clouds sort of reminds me of 9-11. Uh, I remember mm-hmm. it being a really, really bright and beautiful day, right? Yeah. And, and for me, um, 9-11 is significant because I am a fellow New Yorker, transplant in Pennsylvania. And I remember the morning of 9-11, I was pregnant with my second daughter and I had just met up with a pack of about six other friends. Half of them were also pregnant. We had gone on this beautiful walk um, in the neighborhood, came back, and I went to plop down my firstborn, Leah, in front of like PBS so I could go take a shower. And when I went to turn on the TV, there was the news on every channel of the, the attack on the first tower. At that point, it had been the first tower. Oh, my had goosebumps already. It's a hard memory. Yes. And and we went into chaos, uh, trying to get on the phone, call my husband who was on campus at the school we were working at, uh, what's going on, and this urgency to try to get off Long Island uh, because we felt so trapped. So the wake after 9-11 was, was a painful time for us. Uh, I remember driving Leah to preschool and uh, on the way, we passed a fire station, and often there would be fire trucks with the American flag hung between the two ladders, s- symbolizing another funeral. Uh, we, Abby's classmates, um, lost parents who were emergency workers, who they never knew their father because they were babies uh, when they were, you know, they were born before or after 9-11, but their dads were gone for their whole life. Uh, and, and we know marriages that ended because of 9-11, that mm-hmm. the trauma became paralyzing. Uh, we, know, uh, we know people impacted in tremendous ways, but I have never read a story like yours. I have never uh, been able to see what it was like to be on the ground, not in the tower. Right, 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 right. And so what I would love is for you to share as much of your story as you as you want to, I mean, for the next half hour, 45 minutes, I, I think 
it's important for people to understand what you went through uh, and how it changed you and, and what God's faithfulness looked like for you at the various stages that you walk through this experience. Right. You know, I, I appreciate you pointing that out that you had not read um, anything that had my particular angle on 9-11. And I have noticed that, that, that a lot of people think that the destruction was contained to say the Twin Towers or the 16 acre World Trade Center site. But there were thousands of others that were affected. There was 25,000 people who lived right along the periphery of the World Trade Center site. There were 50,000 students mm. all the way from, from nursery to college in the area and employees, mm. so 400,000 employees. So it, it, the range of devastation and who it affected was just, was just vast. But in, in our account, uh, we were residents. We lived six blocks away from the Twin Towers. And wild, we, we had just moved there. We had yeah. actually moved. We we're newlyweds. And we moved to, um, to we got 21 West, a uh, building uh, six blocks away, and um, just, just July the 7th. So we'd only been there a few months. Mm -hmm. And we had gotten this wonderful apartment on the 24th floor. And it had this incredible terrace. And if, you know, being yeah. from New York, that outdoor space is kind of at a premium. Yes. In New York City is something that I think a, a lot of other towns take for granted is uh, there's not a lot of outdoor spaces that people can call their own in uh, in New York City. And so we were so excited to get that little 300 square foot terrace that actually faced the Twin Towers. And that was the selling point of, wow. of getting this apartment was the fact that it framed literally a panoramic view of the World mm -hmm. Trade Center site in the Twin Towers. It's, it's what excited me because I always loved that complex. Yeah, yeah. And that morning, I was asleep, my husband was awake, and the impact of the first plane hitting the North Tower actually shook our building. Mm -hmm. And so my husband kind of glanced out from the terrace, saw smoke, knew something bad had just happened. He came and shook me awake, and we both ran out into the terrace and watched mm -hmm. the flames come out of either side of the North Tower. It was just like watching this adventure movie, of just a bad, bad um, one. crazy scene. Yeah. And from the 24th floor, we didn't normally hear street noise. That was far enough away that, but, but at that point, there were so many co uh, collective screaming and, and police sirens and ambulance sirens that it, it just was shocking to the senses in every single way. And, and um, all of a sudden, right over my right hand shoulder, the second plane came and went over our heads, went right in front of us turned and, and went into the building. Mm -hmm. And the next thing I remember, I was lying on the floor in some inside our apartment on our living room. And we believed that the shock waves had blown us back into the apartment. And the good news about that on our end was that the fact that our, our very large French doors had been open to the terrace. And so we didn't hit the Hit, hit anything on our our journey back into our apartment. Yeah. But I woke up with with my dog or 40 pound dog jumping on my torso, scared to death. I remember my husband yelling, do you want your shoes? I said, no, let's get out of here. We ran down the 24 flights of the interior stairwell. And when I got outside, I had collected myself a little bit to realize I am not wearing shoes and I'm, I'm still in my pajamas. Yeah. And when when my husband made it down with our dog uh, we tried to get back into the building they said no evacuation only and you know when you're in danger your inner alarm is 
just clanging and trying to get you to yeah. go as far away from the danger as possible, whatever danger that might be. Well, for us, the farthest away we could get is Battery Park, which is a 25 acre park at the very tip of Manhattan. And we felt safe there. We walked onto the park and felt safe. However, you know, to, to give some context, if you don't have a map in front of you, um, Manhattan's a very small island. It ends in this park and that park is surrounded on three sides by the East River and the New York Harbor and the Hudson River. So except for the Northern boundary, it's, we're surrounded by water. So when the Twin Towers came down, we weren't safe at all. We'd run out of land in which to run. Yeah. We were covered with the dust and debris. We were surrounded by the smoke because the World Trade Center coming down, um, all the buildings that, that fell produced a lot of uh, flames and smoke, which ended up blowing south and blowing towards us and surrounded us. So it was just this crazy scene where there were thousands of us running around, trying to find a place to breathe, trying to find, I, I watched people pitch themselves into the New York Harbor, try to swim to like the governor's island and, yeah. and nearby land, which is actually not so nearby. No, and no, yeah. At one point we stopped and said goodbye to each other, thinking that this is the end. I mean, I was I 31, know. my husband was 35. We were newlyweds. We'd only lived in that apartment for a couple of months. Mm. And I thought, wow, this is it. This, this is the is end. Awesome. This is the end of the road. And, and I hadn't done anything. As, as you, um, <laughs> yeah, nothing. As I was reading, you do a remarkable job in your storytelling of holding the tension. I mean, just like I had a tight chest and like that thing in your throat of like, she's got no bra on. She's in her mind. <laughs> right. Like right. she has no shoes on. How far is she going to run? And then you described how there were sneakers and shoes all over the place. And I'm thinking, stop, pick up your, pick up a pair of sneakers and put them on. <laughs> and and it, it was chapters before you stopped and thought, why didn't I pick up a pair of sneakers? Oh, I thought quite a few things in the aftermath. Why didn't yeah. I do Why didn't I do that? And as yeah. it turns out, there was a route out of the park. We could have hugged the, the, the Hudson River coastline and walked our oh. way out. But you know, when our cell phones weren't working, nobody's, all the cell surface was down. Yeah. When, when you can't even see a, a route clear, yeah. a route out, and, and we have a 40 pound dog. We can't try to swim to Governor's Island. No. You know, it, there was a lot of options that we thought weren't available at the time. And, and, and thousands of others felt the same way. There was right. a lot of people saying goodbye. And I just remember looking around thinking, I'm just so glad that I have my husband and my dog yeah. with me because all of these people are without their loved ones. They don't yeah. have a cell phone. They can't even say goodbye. They're enduring all of this chaos and, and horror alone. Yeah. And I, I remember being thankful for my new husband that I, that, that, that I had met him and married him before I died and, and that he was with me when, when, mm. when we passed, but, um, oh yeah, it was, uh, it was a crazy scene. And, you know, I, fortunately in a way I have a very good memory and I remember pretty much a play by play of what happened that day. And, and I tried, thank you for saying that. Cause I did try my best to get it down on pen and paper yeah, because yeah. I hadn't seen an account like uh, ours of, of thousands of us trapped down yeah. there in, in the park. And then if you read on, you yeah. read that oh, yeah. the, the coast guard. Yeah. Share um, that, that. share so, that, share that. To tell you the truth. We didn't know this happened until years later. Cause it was wow. an underreported 
situation. But yeah. the Coast Guard did know that there were thousands of us who felt trapped down there in the park and who needed to, to get off the island before we got even more hurt and, and, and people went to, if more people tried to swim. Yeah, 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 swim. Island. So they, they issued a CB radio call saying, hey, any boat owners, boat operators in the area, go on to Battery Park, pick people up, move them off the island, don't care where you put them, but just move them to safety because they're in jeopardy and their, their lives are endangered right now. And all of these different boat, boat operators did actually respond to that call. It was, it was New York waterways, like ferry boats and party boats and tugboats, just every kind of, I've even, I've actually heard that canoes came over that wow. people, canoes. I've never read or I've never actually um, seen anybody interviewed who uh, commandeered a canoe, but, but it was uh, this miracle and, and 500,000 of us were rescued off the island of Manhattan and taken to safety that day. Right. And I have seen more reports out in, in this 20 year anniversary than I have previously. So I do hope people understand and get to hear about that wonderful heartwarming story because these were all volunteers who did that. Yeah. So yeah. we were actually taken off and um, taken over to New Jersey to an area we weren't familiar with. And, mm -hmm. and that's a whole other uh, side of the story. But uh, to fast forward, we didn't get back into our apartment. I think it was 12, 12 days, 13 days that we didn't get back. Yeah. And that was another kind of revelation for me. We couch surfed, we had all kinds of different experiences mm -hmm. of, of trying to house ourselves and the when we were homeless essentially yeah. because we weren't allowed back into our apartment because we lived so close to the attack zone and that was a whole other spate of of, of issues and situations that i just wanted people to know um again not to devalue by any means of of the people who are directly impacted in the twin towers and in the planes it was it's just uh, for people to understand uh, have have a better understanding yeah. of that day and yeah. maybe complete more of their information of of how, who it affected and and all the different kind of ripple effects that yeah. happen from yeah. those planes going into those towers yeah so, well, and there was a, a scene that you described that probably will be one of those that's impact, impacted me, will impact me for the rest of my life when I hear the term refugee. Yeah. You know, because yeah. you described getting off the, the boat and going to this person who you thought was going to be able to help you. And you used the word without thinking refugee, but, but that very much described you were shoeless, you were braless, you were covered in yellow gunk that was burning your eyes and your skin, you had no purse, you had no phone, your husband forgot his phone, had his wallet with just some cash and some credit cards. Thank goodness for that. Thank goodness for that. I mean, you had socks on your feet from his shoes, like that he gave you, like you, you had nothing. And, and then you're walking with the crowd that you're with and end up at a BJ's and, and, and then met with resistance that they wouldn't let the dog in with you. I was like, I was so mad. All of my New York anger. I was like, let the freaking woman into the store. Can't you see she needs something? Like I was so mad. And, and, and so I mean, these are parts of what happens to any human being in the face of a traumatic experience when they're dehomed. Right, right, right. And, you know, I do, I do, 
I basically just put forth what happened to us that day. Yes. I do like to frame that we did receive help as well. You did. That, uh, at one point, uh, en route to BJ's. Yes, I yes, right, right. The bathroom. I need to use the bathroom. I remember and that, yeah. There wasn't, I don't know what was going on, but there, we didn't run into any stores that were open. I don't know if they hadn't opened yet for the day, if they'd been abandoned, if the people had, uh, owners had locked their doors. I could not find a place to use the restroom. And some woman yes. saw us, asked if we needed anything. I said, I need a bathroom. And I, I'm literally dripping with dust yeah. and debris, literally yeah. uh, absolutely filthy. She brought us into her lovely apartment and we went to the restroom there. And so I, so yeah, I, it was, it was all the mix of good, bad, surprise. Yeah. And I, I do remember going through BJ's and back then um, yeah. they, they, you know, there's a, a place where they sold hot dogs where people were sitting yeah. down and eating. I just remember everybody watching, at, watching right. walk right. through the store to to the to find the the, the restroom, and to, to wash my face. And I remember looking at them, thinking, "Anybody want to offer a hot dog?" I know. <laughs> I'm hungry. But you know, here's the thing, though. I, I I my intention in writing these things is not to to uh, down anybody for not offering to help. It's not, I mean, who knows if, honestly, if I'd have been in their shoes, would I have thought, do you want a hot dog? You know, it's just, yeah. it, it's, it's, um, it's life. It's, it's how, it's, it's how we respond. And, yeah. you know, if anything, um, how I, a takeaway from, yeah, from that yeah. movie was definitely, um, I found it so discombobulating to be uh, without a home for a couple of weeks. It's something I'd never experienced and I'd read about and, yeah. um, my husband and I founded a nonprofit that in part helps refugees. And, oh, okay. that, and it's because I hearken back to that time after 9-11 when, when we were undergoing uh, something that uh, all these trials and tests that we had never faced before. And they, they really seared into my heart and my brain. And I, I, I wanted to do something proactively afterwards. And that's something that, that, um, came out of that experience that's so again right. trying not to be negative and, and in our case i'm very glad that i'd yeah. had that experience so in a very small way i uh, i could relate to somebody who who has housing issues and and, and believe me very small because there are people yeah. who struggle with housing and but um i just remember even for two weeks that was um yeah not having your own bed to sleep in, your clothes, your toiletries, uh, having to go to uh, Salvation Army, thank goodness for them, yeah. uh, and, and, and get daily collections of toiletries and all the things that you'd need. It's, yeah. it, was, uh, it was definitely eye-opening for me. It was humbling. I remember you said in the book, you, you'd never been on that side of the recipient of the volunteer work. You'd always been the volunteer. And, and how that did, that uh, I did kind of like a, uh, mental obstacles of, of feeling prideful yeah. and thinking, wow, I always give to these type of organizations and now I need them. Am I, isn't there somebody who needs it more than me? Mm -hmm. And again, part of the pride of what well, I'm in control, I, I don't need this. I can, I can go out and do this and that. And, uh, you know, and there are times when, um, unfortunately we all struggle in life that, you know, we do need to ask we help from others. It. And, and again, what a humbling experience that is, but also a blessing too, because I look back and I don't think of, of, of my pride and how I was humbled. I am just so thankful. Yeah. And I have actually written the Salvation Army and told them my story and thank them for it because I, yeah. I owe a lot of thanks afterwards. And so, yeah. uh, but it was, it's all part and parcel of kind of what, 
what made me me yeah. after 9-11 because after 9-11 I did a lot of soul searching for years and yeah. a lot of learning a lot of growing and that includes my relationship with Jesus and mm. all of that came out of out of that experience and so what I, of course I would never wish a 9-11 on anyone and but you know the, the the fact remains is you know after we all go through traumatic experiences we we have a sink or swim kind of mm -hmm. option ahead of us or how do we how do we grow what did we learn what can we do to improve what can we do with that experience and i'd like to think that 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 was so transformative that mm -hmm. um, that really did put me in a different place and certainly i'm i'm very happy that it, it brought me to a closer relationship with jesus yeah and it was interesting as i was reading along and and wondering there were key times where you prayed there were key times where you're like oh lord if if not you then what was kind of right. the right, 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 right. help me and and you did see that that woman with the bathroom as a provision and there were other right yeah that was you, god's provision god's when provision. I, when brian and i said goodbye to each other at the fort uh while we were surrounded by the smoke and 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 covered with the dust and debris i remember thinking uh thanking God for, for bringing Brian us to this point that we were together. Yeah. But I, I also said, Lord, you know, save me. I, I don't want to die. I'm, I'm 31. I have, a, <laughs> I have this whole life that I had planned out and he did rescue me in the form of that boat evacuation. So God did answer my prayers and, mm. and I'm eternally grateful for that. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so in, and then the aftermath, I did, you know, kind of wrestle with my relationship with, with God because it was, it was turned up on, on its, on its ear that I just really thought my whole life, you know, I have this, I've got it going. Mm -hmm. I talk about how a friend of mine cross-stitched something for me that I had brought up to New York and, and it said, you know, whatever I'm, I am to be is simply up to me. Oh. And I'd always said, it's all on my, it's all on my own strength. It's all on my own power. It's all of my own initiative and how hard I work. And the Lord helps those who helps themselves. I was all into that. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, afterwards I was like, wow, I, I'm realizing how, how little I am in control, right. how there are all these circumstances that are outside of my understanding and my control. And what do I, what do I do with that? You know, I mean, mm -hmm. all of my work and, 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 and slaving or, or just, just striving really to, to get mm -hmm. quote, unquote ahead in life. You know, what was, uh, what was all that doing me when I'm in Battery Park surrounded by, you know, people who, who are, are, who are fearing for their lives and running for their lives. Like what did my Broadway dreams do for me yeah. at that moment in time? And that was yeah. a real realization yeah. for me. Yeah, it's a it's a wake up call, and I know I have such a heart for Redeemer Presbyterian Church. So, um, and and because uh, so Tim Keller, pastor of Redeemer, his boys went to the boarding school that we worked at on Long Island. Yeah, Stony Brook. Yes, Stony Brook. So, <laughs> uh, no, all of his boys, they all had a significant impact in some way in our lives and their lives, and so. When, when I saw that in your story, like I, I felt the, the walk you took into, you know, the Hunter College campus right. and, and this encounter with a community that gave you hope. Right, 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 right. And that's, that's something that I think a lot about is that there is comfort and there is hope and there is support 
within the Christian community. And that's what I found in the aftermath. And not that Christians are perfect, Mm-mm. not that, <laughs> not oh, that we're, all, we're all a pile of broken people, which is why we gather together, worship together, hold each other accountable, support each other, because we're all during this journey trying to be Christ-like and we're all completely broken people. Yeah. And, but when I got there, I just was so, uh, I felt so supported and I felt so accepted and loved. And I just really thought, gosh, there's something to this. And I want, I want this, this is, mm-hmm. this is what I want. And again, that it wasn't just a pie in the sky. Uh, I didn't have this cliched, um, um, I accept Jesus and I am all this and all that. And I'm this, uh, I, I, it was a journey for me. Now, my husband, mm-hmm. I have to say, you know, was hook, line and sinker. I want Jesus in my life. I'm ready to turn everything over to him. For me, I was like, well, what about that house I've been wanting for so long? <laughs> uh, I was going to be one of those lady who lunches. And you know, <laughs> I, mean, I had a lot of, uh, I have a, had a lot of things uh, that a lot of carrots and on a stick in front of me that I had, had wanted for so long. And a lot of those had to die to death along the journey, but, but, um, it, but it was a journey and that, that I, I, I began walking with, with, with Jesus who, who overturned all those desires and gave me new desires and, and a new joy. I mean, certainly I know all of these years down the road, I became yet the director of missions at Redeemer. And in part, I was helping people like they were helping me in the aftermath. Mm-hmm. I was providing um, support and care and love and a listening ear and, and, and literally like aid and, and assistance that that it was shown me in the aftermath and i i understand you know people come in there they, they're struggling they're upended they're uprooted and i you know again in a little sense because of 9 11 i know what that felt like and my goal in missions and in the nonprofit that we own is uh is, is to provide what i was provided in the aftermath because i know that's a point when people need it when they're at the end of their rope. And we were, we were at the end of our rope. Yeah. It makes me, I've got my Bible open in front of me. I wonder if I could find it fast enough. Um, It makes me think of that passage from second Corinthians about the God of all comfort, or is it first? I think it might be first Corinthians um, where the Lord, and I just really, I really want to read it as it's written. And that is the, the verse that says, I mean, you're, you're, you're given, you're given a gift. You, you can, you can now, give a gift to others in the form of helping them through their experiences and, and, and providing help. So, so suffering can lead to, to, to basically you being able to receive a gift that you can then, then send on to others who are going through their own dark times. Right. Which, and I just, I found it, I'm going to read it and then, you know, think about how it's so relevant to the suffering for people today. So um, it's actually second Corinthians chapter one, verse three, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give to them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it's for your comfort and salvation. For we, for when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. 
we are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. Yes. Yes. Totally your story. Um, and it's, and it's really what I wanted to do. And, and, and to, to round up the story a little bit for, um, after we did get to our apartment, that's, it's not that that was the end of our issues. No, actually we, describe your apartment. Oh yeah. It was, well, we had left our terrace doors open and the winds had been very strong that day and the days after that it turns out our apartment became pretty much a rubbish bin. It was, it collected all kinds of things that flew, flew through the air, including, um, papers that, that, um, were, were carried out of the twin towers, meaning by the wind. Yeah. So I remember I found this, this massively tall, what I call paper sculpture. Mm -hmm. And it was basically congealed scraps of paper that had blown in from the World Trade Center. And mm -hmm. I, I remember going through every single scrap and thinking, if there's anything here from an ID to a personal note, I will try to find the owner and, and, and mm -hmm. find discern the owner and find out who the family is and send it to the family. And I have actually kept some of those of those papers and I still have them to this day. Yeah. But um, I didn't find anything personal. It seemed like it was a lot of ledgers, a lot of accounting book items, mm -hmm. nothing of a personal nature. But it was a complete wreck. And then we, you know, my, you, you saw from my book that my dog got sick right away because he had caught, uh, we'd caught him licking his fur yeah. of the dust and debris as animals do when they're dirty. Yeah. And it turns out that that debris contained ground up glass, which shredded his inside. So he clung to life for weeks. My husband graduated from Clemson University and he was really into his fraternity ATO. And one of his ATO brothers died in the North Tower and he was just beside himself. And and so kind of just, it just went on and on. Yeah. And we started having uh, health issues kind of right away, uh, just not feeling well. Of course, now we realize that dust and debris was toxic mm. and poisonous. And, and so again, um, it just, it just seemed like we, we couldn't catch a break. And yeah. again, that, that seems, um, I, I have to do a disclaimer that I am very aware that, that we didn't have a, a family member die and, um, uh, not to belittle any of those mm. families who had to deal with that, that, that terrible, horrible, um, uh, having their loved one's uh, life cut short in such a horrible way. Um, it's just, again, an, another, another way of people understanding that for, for, for several of us, it just, um, you know, who kind of picked up the pieces or were ripple yeah. effects. It was, it was, they were tough ripple effects. You right. Know? right. So right. and to this day, I would definitely say that nine 11 is the backdrop of our lives and it doesn't, uh, it doesn't, uh, let's say, um, if we don't think about it necessarily every single day, but going through an experience like that did, did put us on another road that we're still down that all of our roads directly lead to 9-11. Yeah. All of our life choices are what we do for a living. Uh, pretty much all of our life decisions had their roots um, to this day and, yeah. and, and what we experienced in nine 11. I mean, to this day, I mean, my husband completely changed careers. He still works for Redeemer Presbyterian church. And, yeah. and, um, I, again, um, every, just everything in our lives are, is, yeah. is deeply rooted in nine 11. Yeah. So I, um, I'm in graduate school, getting my degree in counseling with a trauma mm -hmm. 
focus and I do yeah. uh, work as a equine assisted coach. I saw that. Yes. Uh, yeah. With trauma focus. So of course my brain, as I'm reading your story, uh, I'm thinking about how the trauma has been remembered by your body, uh, and right. your mind and your heart and that you're probably on a continual healing journey as a result of that. Like, would you feel comfortable sharing a little bit more about how that trauma has impacted you emotionally? Yes, for sure. I mean, big and small ways, I would say smaller ways are um, a fear of flying, which I never had any problem with before 9-11. And in mm -hmm. fact, I am flying on 9-11 this year to speak at a church in Indianapolis on the 12th. You know, 9-11 this yeah. year is on a, on a Saturday. So I'll yeah. be speaking at a church on Sunday. And I'm already, I was thinking in terms of, of, I, I know that this could cause a lot of anxiety and I have to not let it, you know, <laughs> because, um, um, and, and I'm not really, cause I'm, I'm signed up for the flight because it's more important for me to share my testimony. And that's how I need to get there is, is, um, in the flight than, than it is my fear of flying. Um, so, you know, I, I, I just, I'm, I know that I'm going to be doing lots of praying and, and giving it to God, but you know, if, if, uh, if I had given in to, for instance, that anxiety with flying, I would have never uh, done mission trips. I flew all over the world with mission trips, which has been one of the joys of my life. I, I love yeah. mission trips. I love missions and I would never sacrifice going over and seeing, uh, the lovely friends I'd made in South Africa and Madagascar because of a fear of flying. I'm just not called to do that. And I'm not called. And so, um, so, you know, um, it, it's just, it's just another obstacle and hurdle to overcome. And yeah, there are some, some, um, health issues. I, you know, I have to say though, um, it's, that is, that is one area in, in which I feel, uh, particularly blessed and blessed in the sense that because that Destin debris was so toxic and so poisonous, you know, they've actually linked about 70 different cancers to people who inhaled that Destin debris. Um, and it has uh, uh, killed people, affected their health that I feel very fortunate that I'm 51 and still here with as much as it, it, it was a part of our lives because we did live in our apartment for two years afterwards and that we were inhaling that dust for all of those years. Now, we did get um, uh, COVID in the early days, March 2020, which I linked directly to our compromised immune system uh, related to 9-11. To and uh, I was hospitalized twice and told I had a 50% chance of, of dying from it, which again, I, I, I link directly to 9-11, another, another way that 9-11 directly affects me 20 years later to this day. And I, I did survive and, uh, I, and it was a, definitely a close call. But yet again, what that fills me with is, is gratitude because I'm still here, still able to share my testimony, still able to worship God and, and just I, I'm grateful for every day I'm on this earth because others did not get that, that amount of time. So I just feel like, um, every day I have left is, is days that, 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 um, God has given me. So, um, but yeah, so I, I remember when I did get COVID, there was a time when I realized, wow, that's, that's, you know, here, here it shows up all these years later, but, um, again, just glad to be here. Yeah. And that comes through your book, uh, you are much more gracious 
than I am. And, <laughs> and it is a good example for me. And so it's uh, easy for me to say on the flip side, yeah. I have to wrestle with it just like everybody. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have a, I have a default and we all do. And my default yeah. is anger. I can get anger. And I remember, um, I remember feeling angry in, in, in different periods. And then it's almost like it, it, it just has to be worked through and it has to be dealt with. And, and I look to God and, you know, we all have defaults of, of anger or sorrow or, 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 or feeling victimized and all these things. And we just have to give it to the cross. That's just, that's our, it's our road to hoe. And I mean, do I like admitting that I can be an angry person? No, but I do. I, I do like to think that that my the the anger spurts are are few far between, and they die down quickly. And part of it is just knowing that it's there, and knowing that that's that's where I go to. It's just it's it's an easy emotion, right? Right, right. It's, it's well, my default too. You can, you can do all of these things and feel all these things. Mine is anger. That's the yeah. easiest. That's the quickest. That's the lowest hanging fruit. But um, and uh, God, God knows uh, yeah. that uh, that I don't like that. And um, and and He's still dealing with me. Right, right. There was something else that emerged for me as I was reading your book that I thought would be helpful for our listeners. Um, it was very interesting to hear your play by play of how you were processing it when you were staying at your friend's house and staying in the other apartment you would walk, you walked for miles in the two weeks before you went back to your apartment and, and you couldn't contain the, the energy and the anxiety probably would be the definition of it. Brian slept and slept and slept and slept. Yes. And, and when you came to the moment, you had a conversation with your mom and you came to this moment of like reaching out to the counselor that you had done, you know, met with for, for premarital counseling. And I thought, Oh, praise Jesus, because you, you needed help at that point and I could see it and Brian needed help as well. And what I, I thought was really a beautiful, but painful picture was how our bodies respond to trauma and stress and cope in different ways. Right. Right. right, right. Brian went into the shutdown mode mm-hmm. and you went into movement. And it was, what was so fascinating to me was this, so I talk about this all the time on the podcast about how God made our brains and the brain stem as being the lower region where we go into fight, flight, freeze, faint, or fawn under the face of, of harm or threat. The next layer up is diacephalon, which is sensory motor and movement. And then the next layer up is limbic, which is this, uh, you know, your emotions, what you're feeling, and also where you start connecting with others. And then your top is your neocortex and that's where you're thinking clearly. So I would watch you. I felt like I watched you, but it was reading. You would go on these walks and then you'd come to this encounter with another person at like the Salvation Army or when you're at the Jacob Javits Center with the the volunteers. And then all of a sudden you had a new clearer thought after you had an emotional experience. And I thought, God's healing her like he's using her body and she's actually unknowingly responding to her body's demand for movement. I mean, it was, it was really kind of remarkable to see how God was preserving you through that time. And that's so, it's so amazing. It it was movement. I think there was part of, I was literally on high alert. Yeah. I also have a lot of energy just normally. 
And, but there was a sense of almost walking to try to find some sense to what had yes. just happened to me. Which, and I remember from the brain, yes, you were looking, the, the, I'm looking, I'm searching, searching, I'm to find some answers in my own brain. What just yeah. happened? Yeah. And I remember yeah. going down to Union Square, which had happened to be a communal spot for mourning in the probably months. Uh, definitely in the days and weeks after 9-11. And I'll never forget a, a Native American Indian who was doing a ceremonial ritual uh, yeah. to those who died. And as you know, there are Indian reservations on Long Island. That was kind of, I thought possibly he had come up to, to do that. But I remember thinking, I didn't even understand what he was saying. I remember thinking whatever he was, whatever he was, doing it was just it was, it was a beautiful gesture and watching everybody cry like I was crying was um was, was healing and um yes exactly I had all the encounters because really it was a series of encounters in my walk and, and now looking back in hindsight those walks were uh are, are just gold to me I remember them so well because I got to see the city react in the city and mourning. And I came across so many people who were kind of doing the same thing I was, just trying to find some answers and to, to settle their brains after we had been completely upended and, and we're just in such emotional turmoil. And um, those, those are some very fond memories. And I actually would, I, I wish I could, um, uh, I actually deleted quite a few chapters. Uh, uh, my book ended up be being about 500 words, uh, 500 pages, until an editor knocked it down to 180. And uh, only just I, I totally understand, and I tell you, but but really, those walks were were just gold, and to see the city. Uh, react and to see what was going on was uh, see see nine million people mourn. It was yeah. just really maybe uh, I'll pitch you an idea. Write a second book as a devotional with each story hmm. as the That's an interesting idea. Right, interesting. taking us through you know the journey of mourning because you what you're describing. I'm thinking. And what you went through and the healing, the way God moved in you through encounters and movement. I mean, we need that now. And while we're still recovering from a pandemic, we're still in a pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. um, and as we're still facing political unrest in so many ways, uh, you know, and, and we're facing the challenges of, you know, the ground literally collapsing in places <laughs> like natural disaster, human disaster, fires. Like there are so many of us that uh, may not be in the middle of it. Like I was on Long Island. I was not in the middle of it, but I was on the periphery. And I feel like what you provide is a window into what someone might feel in the middle of a displaced trauma uh, and an invitation for those who are standing, watching to respond. Right, 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 right. Give the hug, right. offer to right. stay in your house, put together the clothing and tag it with sizes, <laughs> you know, like there because are- Lisa, no you know what? A little kindness went a very long way back yes. then. Offering 
offering a restroom yes. 20 years later is something I remember. Yeah. Uh, letting us into their home to, you know, yeah. uh, somebody offering a glass of water. And you know what? In this day and age, you know, uh, when, when it's easy to yeah. offer water or some kind words yeah. is, but, but sometimes it seems like the hardest thing to do, especially when you're in your own, your own, you know, funk and you're just kind of, it's like, yeah. wow, just it's such, such a good point that kindness can cost us nothing. Yeah. But kindness is something that can change uh, the smallest gesture can literally yeah. change somebody's life. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I do believe it's a habit that has to be cultivated as much as a willingness for the Holy Spirit to make right. the movement. Right. Exactly. And, and, you know, that is that is an actual uh, a prayer that I say a lot. Holy Spirit, if there's somebody around me yeah. who is who is hurting, yeah. somebody I can't even tell. Somebody, somebody who looks fine, let me know, because I'm not going to know. So please work through my heart and cause me to, to um, lose any inhibitions and, and ask if I can help it in any way. Yeah. You know, just yeah. because a lot of people who are hurting don't look like they're hurting. Mm-mm. You know, they look, they, they, act, they look like strong characters. Yeah. But whether it's somebody who is an obvious need or somebody who's less obvious, I, I, it's a common prayer. Lord, just show me who needs something right now. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's, I have to say, it's one of the reasons I, I do love living in New York city. Yeah. We're surrounded by people. There's people yeah. everywhere. Yes. There's, and, 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 we're, and again, we're all, we're all broken. We all have needs. Yeah. We all have things that, that, that hurt us and upset us throughout the day. And it's lovely being surrounded by people who, who all need a kindness because everybody does. Yeah. Yeah. That is a great note to end on, right? The challenge to be kind. The challenge to be kind. And, and hospitable, generous, you know, as we seek, seek the Lord's work. So I'm so grateful, Christina, for your bravery in telling your story. Uh, It, as somebody who has been through various traumas, it's a gift from God when we can articulate it because there are, are people who have been through trauma that it's traumatizing to tell the story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I see that God has gifted you to do this and I'm grateful that you're obedient to him uh, in it. Um, and I pray that there will be people who will find healing as they read your book. Uh, you know, I imagine the person out there who is hung up on the, why did God do this? Yeah. Or, um, yes, yes. Or allow it. Yes, exactly. That I have to admit, those are, those aren't questions that, that I ask. Um, that's not my stumbling block. I have my own. We all have ours, right? Right. Right. That, that in particular is, is, is not, is not a stumbling block for me, though. I understand that it's a stumbling block for, for others. I, you know, all I can just say is, 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 just take this whatever stumbling block you have and wrestle with God. Yeah, lay it, lay it at His lay feet. Because we all have them right. based on our, our past experiences, based on our personality type. Exactly. Um, you know, you just you name it. But um, but all of it is there. Yeah, to, to throw it down at the cross. Uh, absolutely, and God will be there and be faithful to it. So people can find your book. Where's the best place to find it? 
they're on they're on everything from from Target to Walmart to Amazon to Barnes and Nobles, Books a Million, wherever wherever you buy things. <laughs> that is awesome. Good. And the the title of the book again is Out of the Shadow of 9-11, Inspiring Tale of Escape and Transformation. And uh, where can they find you personally if they want to connect with you? So I have a website, ChristinaRayStanton.com and okay. yeah, C-H-R-S-T-I-N-A-R-A-Y-S-T-A-N-T-O-N that that I update on different writings. I've written quite a few articles about 9-11 for the 20th anniversary or if I have anything upcoming. But um, if anybody ever wants to, to reach out and email me, I uh, somebody actually did from England this morning and I'm more mm-hmm. than happy to, to have a conversation as well. Excellent. Good. And would you be willing to close us in prayer before we end? Lord, we thank you for that. You are sovereign over everything. You are the God of all comfort, of all strength. Father, we need that strength nowadays, right? This is, this is tough times. These are challenging times the pandemic with the political crises and, and father, uh, we are a world, we are a people who, who need you. And we just thank you that, that you have overcome the world. Thank mm-hmm. you. We, I, we thank you that we can stand on those promises, Father. And uh, I, I just thank you I, that I don't have to do life without you, Father. And um, we just, we love you so much. And, and thank you for, um, for our Christian community. Thank you for community that loves and supports each other. Now, Father, I pray that we are a community that loves and supports mm-hmm. each other. And we may be on opposite ends of the spectrum politically, or um, but Father, Father, you are the source of everything. It is you who we look to. It's you who are Lord, not not any anything of this of this world, Father. And that we are brothers and sisters in you, Father. And I just pray that that we look to each other and, and offer each other kindness. And in a time period where oftentimes we have nothing to offer each other but but angry words father i just pray that you watch our, our minds or watch our hearts and watch our mouths father um and i pray that that just impress upon us with your holy spirit that we are there to comfort and and provide provide comfort and love and acceptance and just you put the fruits of our spirits on our hearts and and and, and on our lips father just just guard our words and thoughts and deeds and we love you in jesus name amen amen Thank you so much for Christina for being with us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. You bet. And thank you everyone for listening to the More to Be podcast. I pray that you've been filled with hope as you consider what it means to experience wholehearted breakthrough and authentic life transformation. I'd love to support you in that process as a valuable podcast community member, which you can become at patreon.com slash more to be. You will get access to exclusive downloadable resources, courses, and coaching. May you continue to pursue the life you were made for, a life that is truly aligned with God's best.